0: Welcome to Not So Common with Pat Country. I'm your host for this first podcast, my first non-gaming one. You know, if this is the first time you're listening to this, I don't know, you probably found it by accident, scrolling through whatever section on iTunes that this happens to come up under, if this is even approved yet, I don't know. But if you don't know me, you know, I do the Completely Unnecessary Podcast, which is gaming and pop culture related and movies, and I wanted to give myself an outlet to discuss anything I wanted to, not that the CU podcast isn't great, especially when my uh, my ill co-host Ian is there to help me get through that, usually two to three hours of fun every other Wednesday night, but it was limiting, yeah, it was limiting in a way, because, you know, I couldn't talk about politics or social, uh, social aspects of life as much as I wanted to, nor relationships, Uh, and even sports to an extent, not really the podcast for that, so this is my outlet for you guys, and this is going to be a pilot, it might be a little rough, it probably is already, but this is what I want to do, this is how I want to expand, and this is what you hopefully want to listen to as I hit the Windex glass cleaner ammonia next to me. Why am I doing this though, besides those reasons? Well, I can talk about things whenever I want to, I don't have to Get all gussied up and shave and shower. Why do I have to shave before a podcast? I don't know. But then get on video for the typical CU podcast and do that. I can just relax in my underwear, half naked. I'm not saying I'm half naked now. I don't don't want to keep this somewhat PG-13. But I don't have to prepare as much in terms of how I look to do a podcast. And I can do this at least once a week a lot easier than I can the CU podcast because it's whatever topics are on my mind. It doesn't have to be two hours as well. Uh... What am I talking about on the podcast? I'll be talking about climate change, in particular, a conversation I had with my dad that was awkward. I'll be talking about uh, why Costco is a reason we can't have universal health care in the U.S. We'll also be discussing, you know, some PewDiePie fallout. Uh, I'll talk about me getting attacked on, on YouTube and Twitter. I think it's hysterical, and I, and I have some, uh, some thoughts about that as well. And no Q&A. There'll be Q&A in the future, probably. Uh, There'll be an email address, probably something like notsocommon at thepunkeffect.com if you want to send along your questions or even stories, maybe relationship advice. I want to get into that at some point. But I'm going to start real quick with sports. Before you all turn off, it won't be that long, but the NBA All-Star Game was absolute garbage. And it's usually not that good to begin with, nor are all All All-Star Games any good, Uh, You can probably say that the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is the closest to even resembling the sport. Hockey's not bad, even though it's usually like 13 to 9, and there's usually never that many goals scored in a regular hockey game. The Pro Bowl has always been a joke for football. You might as well play two-hand touch or flag football. Uh, But the basketball game is just embarrassing now because watching a game where almost 400 uh, points were scored was like watching someone play an hour-long NBA Jam game but with even less defense. So the entire game was basically rebound or uh, made shot, and then another basket scored within like three seconds. So it was fast break after fast break, no defense at all, alley-oops up the butt. I think there was something like 50 slam dunks in the game, and it was embarrassing. I mean, it was. There was no attempt at defense. At one point for laughs, Steph Curry lays on the ground uh, because you have two big – big men coming on a fast break, I think DeAndre Jordan was one of them, and all I could think the whole time was, if I paid good money to see that, and those tickets aren't cheap, if I pay like 125 bucks for nosebleeds, is that the game I'd want to see? Sort of an exhibition for the sake of it, when the night before there was skills competition, and three point contest, and a slam dunk contest, and now I gotta just watch something that's an absolute joke. It was embarrassing. Now I sound like an old man, but it's not something I would want to uh, see ever again in my life. Uh, But, you know, I'm not the prime, I guess, audience for that. But I I do like the NBA a little bit. I don't know. I've been watching more the past few years, mainly because I hate LeBron James. Well, there goes my Cleveland fans. They're gone. All right, cool. We'll just get one city out of the way one at a time. Uh, What did I do over the weekend? Oh, man. I went to Costco with my girl. Uh, Because usually I want to get some sort of snacks there. And in this case, I want, also want to look for mattresses. And Costco does have mattresses, believe it or not. I didn't buy a Costco mattress. I didn't do it. I think that's not the best idea to buy something you sleep on eight hours a day, the same place where you can get, like, you know, you know gallons of, of mayonnaise for $2.99. I, I don't agree with that aspect. I think you should spend a little bit more on a mattress versus less, just because it's important to feel like you, you know, weren't sleeping on a, a, a bale of hay overnight, which is what my mattress feels like at this point. Actually, it feels... Feels worse than that. My mattress is 12 years old almost. I brought it from New Jersey. Probably a mistake. It probably cost me more to transport that mattress versus me just throwing it out and buying a new one. That aside, I don't make the best decisions as you've heard before when I talk about my, uh, my LCD TV experience. But I went to Costco and shopping around through Costco, first of all, they give you a dumpster truck sized shopping cart. And it was Sunday. So there was tons of people there to begin with. Not that Costco isn't always busy, but I had to like wait as like a predator outside, you know, those – those uh, the the areas where you, you throw your cart back into without hopefully hitting an SUV or, or minivan when you're done with it. I had to wait there to get a cart. There weren't even any out front. So once you're in the, the maze and mob, the zoo of the humanoids in uh, in Costco, you have to sort of brace yourself for the humanity there. And it's not like shopping at Walmart and you seeing the pictures of people there, but it's it's not that much better because it's just okay. We all want a deal, sure, on our food items and and uh, you know our our ketchup and our and our mustard. And why can't they have anything besides condiments? Because there's tons of things at at uh, Costco. Hell, there's there's great liquor. Hey, if you want liquor, go to Costco. You can buy like a gallon of a uh, of vodka for like twenty seven dollars. But it's a hack thing at this point to say, yeah, you know, uh, who needs a uh, 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 14 pounds of jelly for, for $7. Is that a condiment too? I can't get off the condiments. But what I discovered in and out of Costco, more so outside, is that places like Costco are most likely the reason why us Americans can't have universal health care. And this is why. Bear with me. In other countries, food can be just as plentiful as it is in the U.S., but it is not as cheap, by and large, as food is here in the U.S. And that goes from normal foodstuffs to fast food and restaurant items. I haven't had a huge amount of international travel, but in my limited travels, for what I've seen, you know, for example, fast food in a European country uh, for a meal, like let's just say a Burger King meal or a McDonald's meal, will be like, I don't know, 14 99 U.S., For that meal. Here, that's like $14.99 at McDonald's. Can feed you for three weeks. So there's no incentive not to eat fast food in the U.S. Because it's so cheap and plentiful. In other countries, it's a a treat. Here, it's like, it's almost like that's almost health food at this point. There's no emphasis on sort of risk-reward here for the cost of food versus the health. As long as it's cheap, we're going to go buy and eat it. Just because it's there... We can get it. Yeah, I'm looking at my. I got my Costco list in front of me right now. Besides my uh, my, um, let's see what I buy. Puma socks for 9.99. Uh, I bought a, I bought a flatbread, giant pizza for 13.99 for dinner with Frank. That was good, and uh, a fruit tray. Try to be healthy with the fruit tray at Costco. But some of the stuff there is just like like, like Jim Gaffigan says. You'd be stupid not to not to buy uh, buy the food. You'd be losing money. It was four ninety nine for like a four pound rotisserie chicken, four ninety nine. So I bought two of them just because you know, yeah, I can I can eat eight pounds of chicken in a day. <laughs> Why not? Um, but then when I went outside, this was the most striking sort of image in my head that I don't think we'll get out of it in a while. It, it was swarmed outside of Costco with about I want to say literally hundred and fifty people, maybe two hundred people. Because outside of Costco is where they have the sort of, I guess, uh, ready food area where you can just buy whatever you want there. It's like you're at a ball game, except the prices were tantamount to being at a roller rink in 1983. Huge slices of pizza were $1.50, and this I had this embedded in my head, I'm not making these up, a, what was it, hot Hot turkey and cheese sandwich was about two ninety nine. This, this is two thousand seventeen prices. A twenty ounce soft drink with free refills was fifty nine cents at Costco. Fifty nine cents. If you're homeless, just camp outside of Costco. Why would you? Why, don't even bother begging for change. Just pilfer through. The garbage and you'll find entire meals, banquets there probably that people leave behind because it's so cheap. And then the kicker to all that was two other items. One dollar and fifty cents for a foot long hot dog. One dollar and fifty cents. And also it was about one dollar and fifty cents for an for an ice cream sundae. This was again, this was not friendlies in nineteen eighty nine with these prices. This was two (laughs) thousand seventeen. So the whole time as I'm looking at this, I'm like, a th- uh, few thoughts run through my head. I'm like, sure. I'm never going to go hunt- uh, hungry in this country. I could be homeless and I can just, you know, just sort of uh, stake my life around either Costco's or Sam Clubs or BJ's Wholesale Club Club. I never go hungry. So that's a, good, that's a good thing. Even in the zombie apocalypse, they can just raid any near uh, nearest Costco and we'll be all fine. Just there'll still be some soft serve left in that uh, in that ice cream uh, <laughs> ice cream dispenser. But my, the other thought I had was that we're never going to be healthy overall because there's too much food and it's too cheap. So it's a, sort of a double edged sword there. All right, never going to go hungry, never going to be healthy while we have uh, sixty cent refillable sodas. I don't know if there's a solution to that. I just don't know. What, what's what's the solution? Do we make we artificially make food more expensive? I'd rather do that and be and have us be healthier than our health care costs being out of this world, especially the insurance. You know, maybe there should be a premium. I'm not saying that we should just start soda taxing everywhere. Like they did in New York City a little bit, and then they tried in Philadelphia recently with disastrous results where it's just insane how much... Uh, soda prices went re- skyrocketing up uh, in that city, but there's got to be uh, some sort of medium ground here, right? I don't know. I, I just, I just don't. I don't. I don't need these good deals, Costco. I'm looking at my receipt again. I don't think I need my uh, two pounds of barbecue pork jerky for 11.89. I'm not sure that's a necessity in my life at this point. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I wouldn't be saying this if I was, if I was, uh, you know, if I was poor, but. There's, there's got to be some sort of middle ground here. That's all I'm saying here, you know, or at least have the have the healthy food cost nothing, and then have the more expensive foods, uh, excuse me, have, have the have the have the unhealthy foods cost a lot more, because that's always that's always what it comes down to is that yeah it's it's you can eat healthy, but it's going to cost you a lot more money to eat organically, uh, free range chicken. Just more quality, higher quality uh, beefs and meats usually cost a lot more than fast food at McDonald's, which barely qualifies as meat. And that's how, you know, usually the, the, the richer you are, the healthier you are. That's just the way it works out, unfortunately. Just a weird thought I had as this podcast already goes off the rails about Costco being the reason why we can't have universal health care in this country. So <laughs> whatever, whatever President Trump wa- wants to try to pass with the GOP, in terms of repeal or replace Obamacare, you can't do that successfully without probably striking down the large uh, food chains where I can buy, let's see what else I bought, where I can buy uh, five pounds of trail mix for $12.79 and I'm not making that up because that's how much I bought and that's how much it cost me. Speaking of Trump, I uh, I had a phone conversation with my father uh, the other day. And when I speak to my father on the phone, usually two topics are guaranteed to come up. One, the New York football Giants. Hey, from New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. We we both love the Giants in my life. I've seen them win four times, twice against those dastardly uh, New England Patriots with my idiot favorite quarterback, Eli Manning, winning both times. The second thing we usually talk about is politics. Um, And we agree on politics – I'd say 50% of the time, maybe a little less. Now, my father is what I would probably call, um, I guess, a moderate Republican, if you can say that, because he's he's anti-liberal for the most part, but he's not socially conservative. You know, he's more, I guess, a libertarian in that way, or just, you know, women's right to choose, uh, gay marriage, marijuana, who the fuck cares? We should be able to do what we want with, the, with those things. Which I think most Americans are sort of like at least tiptoeing in that direction or already on that side. This isn't the 80s or 90s or even 10 years ago anymore. Most, those three things I said are, are largely accepted and more state to state we are we are allowing those. Maybe not on a federal level yet, but then again, uh, the Supreme Court said that gay marriage was okay. So that's already been decided. Uh, so, that's not the issue I have with my father. The issue I have with my father when speaking of politics this time is that I saw this change in him and how he was talking to me about my my beliefs, not just political beliefs but beliefs in general. And this is all tied down to the toxic, toxicity of what we're going through right now with our not just our political beliefs but how, how polarized we've become even more so. Uh, so I'm talking to my dad about I didn't okay I didn't vote for Trump and that's not even uh, something new to this podcast. If you're listening to the C U podcast, I didn't vote for Trump, nor was I a Hillary supporter. Uh, so you kind of know where I'm coming from here. But I always said that Trump was a demagogue, and that he's a narcissist. I mean, I'm not even some of his followers have to say he's a narcissist. If you want to run for president in general, you have to be somewhat of a narcissist, no matter what you're beliefs are just to think that you know better than the rest of the world in order to lead it you have to put yourself on some sort of pedestal to think that you think that highly of yourself that you know better than the rest of the world to lead it that's just my point of view there but what started was from a sort of uh innocent i guess talk about politics to politics with my father which again we agree like half the time on things eroded very quickly when we started talking about uh climate change because it led to other avenues of disagreement, which led to him sort of losing respect for me as the phone call was happening. Like I could hear his respect just lessen for my sort of maybe not for me as an individual, but for my po- uh, political or social beliefs. And even though I think climate change shouldn't be a political issue, it, how you want to deal with climate change is a political issue. Not the argument whether or not it exists. At least in my mind, it shouldn't be. And I think that's where the problems arose in, in our conversation. So I think that climate change exists. I don't. I, I, if If you think that's controversial, that statement, I'm sorry. I think it exists. Now, what you can argue, though, is the extent of how quickly it's happening or the extent that man is contributing to it. I think those are more fair questions that require a lot of research and aren't as easy to parse out at this point. You know, for example, like, Al Gore thought by now that, like, half of the U.S. would have fallen, fallen into the sea. Obviously, that, that didn't turn out to be true. Was Al Gore right that we are contributing to climate change? I think that's not, a, that's not unreasonable. But how quickly we are doing it, that's up for debate. So my father disagreed with me on the surface about I guess that we are contributing to climate change in a negative way, and that's where the conversation sort of ran off the rails. Where I can I can hear him gritting his teeth as we went along. So I try to bring up with him, you know, evidence about like you know if you go to the EPA even right now, if you type in let's see EPA climate change, all right, epa.gov/slash climate change. Why climate change affects are we already what climate change effects we're already seeing? They have greenhouse gas emissions data available. They have basic information causes of climate change, et cetera, et cetera, and they have like scales separating human and natural influence on climate. Um, the net effect, even if you don't want to take into account the What's what they even say are observations that they record versus natural and human factors versus natural factors only is that the average temperature of the U.S., excuse me, of the U.S., of the world, the average temperature has increased steadily since the 80s up till now. That's that's undeniable. Like, that's, that's just science recording that. Again, you can argue that, well, we're not contributing to it as much as we... W- as everyone thinks we are, yada, yada, yada. It's happening, and we have to accept that. So the average temperature uh, increase from 1900 to now is, let's see, 1.25 degrees Celsius, uh, which that is in Fahrenheit to those that are not listening in the rest of the world besides the U.S. One more through Celsius to Fahrenheit is a, uh, let's see, what is that? What, what is that? What is that? This is me trying to do Celsius math, and I can't even do it. It's a few degrees, Fab guy, at least. It's a few degrees. Which, again, it may not mean much to you if you're not feeling it, but in terms of ice caps, in terms of if you're in a place that there's not a lot of water, that means a lot. It means a lot. When you tilt the balance that much, weird shit happens. Weird shit like me being on the phone... With a friend of mine in Pennsylvania where the one day he said it was like 65 degrees. and The next day they were expecting a snowstorm, which did come. When I was a child, I played street hockey every day from about October to like February, March. So 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I never remember being able to wear shorts and, and short sleeves while playing street hockey during the winter months I remember when I was in New Jersey eight years ago on a Christmas Eve wearing short sleeves and shorts and it being 65 degrees out it might have been a little warmer and that's becoming more common like just weird weird shifts in temperature not saying that there's droughts everywhere there's definitely been droughts in San Diego that's a whole other issue Uh, The past five years. Thankfully this year there hasn't been. But there's been weird shifts in temperature. Uh, The last probably six, seven years I was in New Jersey, we didn't have like a spring. It seemed like everything shifted. Like fall went into December when it was still somewhat warm. And then you had a winter like January to like April. And then it became summer right away with no spring. And again, when I was a kid, that didn't happen. It just didn't. I spoke to Frank uh, who's been in San Diego for 30 years and he says he's definitely noticed something weird happening the past 10 years uh, where, at least 10 years, where it's just been hotter overall. It's been weird, I guess, weeks where it's been a lot hotter. So, for example, when I first moved, when I first moved to San Diego, it was extremely hot, which was shocking to me because when I visited the year before, it wasn't. It was like 60 degrees perfect weather. So, when I moved to California, San Diego, it was August 20th, 2009. For about two weeks in a row, it was about 90 degrees and humid. Yes, there could have been an El Nino that happened then, but Frank had said that that sort of weather never happened before. Where it would just be unbearably hot in, again, San Diego, which is the most temperate place in the U.S. So what I'm trying to get at is all these these anecdotal stories sort of line up in my head. So when I explained this to my father, I said to my father, just point blank, hey dad, what, uh, in the last 10 years, you know, I could wear shorts in New Jersey during winter. When you were a kid, do you ever remember wearing shorts during the winter months? Do you ever remember even one day where it was unseasonably warm? Or there was a trend where over a few days it was that warm? And he said to me, oh, I don't remember when that, when that happened. Well, I asked Frank... Because uh, Frank lived in New Jersey too. And Frank never ever remembered a day in New Jersey where it was like 70 degrees during winter. I'm not saying there could have been one in there. But now it's happening every single year it seems. So what I'm trying to get at is even if you don't believe that there's some sort of human factor to this climate change. And overall global temperature raising. Something's happening. It's not nothing. You got to at least give me that that it's not nothing. So I said it to my father. You know, it's not nothing, which I think is is fair. It's not nothing, and he's and he goes back to me. Well, well, you know, they fudge the data sometimes in the UN, and you know, um, you have some scientists, hundred scientists come out and say, oh, this 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 the climate change isn't isn't real. And I say, okay, Dad, you're gonna find uh, two things. I can guarantee you that there's been data that's been fudged in any scientific journal. For any sort of cause that that happens, and I would say that in this case, uh, and I hear about these 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 uh, for time time too, where data gets fudged, they're trying to fudge in order to move people to act, which I understand that, and that's wrong too. Scientifically, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't you shouldn't uh, be biased in your research or fudge data, no matter what you're trying to prove, because it's, and that's not, that's not helpful. And in a case like this, where my father, uh, you know, would come on board, it gives ammo to the other side. Where okay. See, these assholes fudge data. That means none of it's true, which is, which is false as well. It's a false sort of equivalency. So I try to impart to my father was that with any sort of scientific inquiry or any sort of data that you're trying to help prove your point, you're always going to have naysayers, even scientists Just because you have the title of a scientist doesn't mean you're infallible and doesn't mean you're right or doesn't mean you can read data properly or doesn't mean that you uh, agree with how other scientists look at data. That's why you have what's called peer review of scientific study and data. That's why it exists. It's not like I'm a scientist. I can get any old bullshit study uh, put in in any journal. It has to go around to my peers for them to say, okay, this isn't horseshit. So when it comes to the the climate change, the vast majority of scientists say, "Hey, something's going on." But you're always going to find those those guys. I'm not saying they're lunatics. I'm just saying they have a differing opinion based upon the data, and or they do the you know these are the guys that are also bought and sold by big oil companies. But that's a whole other conversation I won't get into right now. But the same way in the 50s and 60s, you had. Um, you had the tobacco companies hire their own scientists to say, oh yeah, and their own doctors say, oh yeah, smoking is totally healthy. It doesn't hurt your lungs at all. Did they not do that? They did that 50 years ago. So anyway, so what I was trying to impart to my father was that this can happen. You have even uh, engineers, maybe some are reputable, some are not, and scientists that, think that still think that like you know, 9-11 was an inside job and it was a controlled demolition, while the vast, vast majority of scientists and engineers say that, no, uh, we can explain that these two uh, huge planes with tons of jet fuel burning at a high, high temperature caused these, uh, caused the towers to crash. And it wasn't melting steel, it was just making the steel a little infirm and weakening it, and that's all it took. Before I get the truthers to come after me on my first uh, not-so-common podcast. So, my father, though, was getting not irate but aggressive with me that I would even consider that there's some climate change going on in the world. And he actually had had the balls to say to me on the phone that, well, that must be that California air doing something to you. Yeah, like all of a sudden I moved to San Diego and I'm some sort of Greenpeace eco-terrorist because I live in San Diego, which by the way is a fairly conservative county because of all the military here all the Marines and Navy. So I just thought that was hysterical that my father just lob like lobbied that onto me, even as a half joke that, all right, Pat, you're, you're just this sort of a, you know, left wing extremist now, which anyone that knows me, uh, knows that's not true. Uh, for the most part, I'm not, I'm pretty moderate. I'm, I'm usually a centrist when it comes to a lot of these things. I try to be somewhat even keeled. Uh, so I thought that was funny, but I said to my dad, okay, And this I'll say to everyone else out there that you don't believe that climate change is happening at all. All right. If you don't believe that's happening at all, okay, let me ask you this. What if you're wrong? I'll tell you what happens if you're wrong. If you're wrong and the majority of people believe you, we have some catastrophic shit that's about to happen. If I'm wrong, then I look like an idiot. If I'm wrong, it's, I guess, the same as saying, okay, um... Uh, let's see, Y2K bug. So I get hyped up about something. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, geez. All the computers are going to race themselves. Uh, we got to code all these old IBM XTs from the 70s and 80s so that the stock markets don't crash. All right. Let's code and make sure it happens. So I over-prepare for an event that might be possible, but that it ends up not happening. So... We look like a fool. We over prepared. We were crazy about it up to a certain point. But then you know what? We move on with our lives, okay? In this case, though, this isn't a simple, okay, well, the stock market, you know, might have crashed. But if it didn't, we still overprepared. In this case, we are overpreparing for something that could cause irreparable harm to us as a species on this planet if we even overprepare even a little bit for this it may not be enough at this point but we have to do something at least so that's my argument is that it's not a it's an argument where if you say i'm wrong i have a lot more to lose than you do on the opposite side you have nothing to to risk on your side if 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 you're right i i do because i live literally a mile or a mile and a half from the beach so if i'm right about there being some sort of climate change. I can't depend upon where I'm living now, potentially to retire because it'll be underwater. And that's what I said to my father. And I was a little harsh with him too, which I, I can be from time to time. But I said to my father, point blank, Hey dad, uh, you don't have to worry about it either way because you're gonna be fucking dead by the time that the real ramifications of, of, of global warming, climate change really affects us. You're gonna be dead and gone. I'm gonna have to deal with it. So by that account, and this is what you can say to anyone that doesn't even want to consider this if they're over 60 years old. Your opinion doesn't fucking matter anymore about it. I'm sorry it doesn't. Because you're going to be gone by the time this becomes an issue or not. This isn't something that can be proven or disproven in a year or two. All I see, though, is on you know, websites the average temperature increasing dramatically in the past 30 years. And being like, okay, well, this is a trend you know like it's a trend it's not like one or two years where it went up and down yeah it'll go back down one year then it goes back up goes back up so that's why i said my father he didn't really have a real answer to that because why would you have an answer to that because yeah they'll be dead and gone and we've got to deal with that or deal with that for our kids and grandkids again i'm not some sort of eco-terrorist it's just my observations so my father gives the argument then about well the epa's website is is off it's wrong you know, they, it's, they're, they're politicizing it. Okay, all right. I don't know how you're politicizing just, uh, you know, just taking the fucking temperature around the world. I don't know how you can politicize that. It's just facts. So I said, all right, let's go to NASA's website, Dad. NASA uh, climate change graph. Okay. NASA also records this shit because NASA likes to be on top of this stuff. All right. So NASA, you go on NASA's website, you can see, yeah, we have the measurements of, uh, what is this, of carbon dioxide, of CO2, which some people argue that, well, you know, that doesn't really have an effect on the temperature or not. But, okay, there seems to be some correlation with the, with the global temperature, at least. But if I search for, let's see, uh, global temperature, it's right on NASA's website. The global temperature of NASA, uh, let's see. It was, compared to the annual mean, in in 1881, it was negative 12 degrees Celsius. It went to a low, and that's really where they started really capturing global temperature. was like the mid-19th century, which is kind of when the Industrial Revolution was going on in Great Britain and, and started here soon afterwards. So that's kind of a good... Waypoint to really gauge what was going on, you know, burning all the all the forests and in, in Great Britain and building factories and building factories here. That's really when we started to have a, a much bigger effect in terms of uh, producing CO two, for example, and just garbage being dumped in the air. But all right, the low point was negative forty three degrees Celsius in nineteen oh eight. Starts shooting up in the twenties to point one two Celsius stays a little steady until, again, 1980, and then it starts shooting up. 0.17, 1979, 0.28, 1989, 0.35, 96, uh, 0.62, 2003, and then shoots up even more, 0.74, 2015, and then 0.87 degrees Celsius, 2015. So in the past 100 years, the average temperature has gone up, uh, looks like almost two full degrees Celsius. In uh in that amount of time, which is not a small number, because remember in Fahrenheit that's that's more than that, and I'm too lazy to do the measurement right now because I don't know why. Um, but <laughs> but then my dad had an argument about the global temperature being on NASA's website, saying, "Well, that's uh, that's also skewed or whatever." And I'm like, "All right, Dad, you're, you're now you're going to argue with NASA, uh, NASA taking temperature of the world." And this gets to a larger point where if you're if you're if you're so against wanting to be open to an argument you're willing to not even be open to looking at actual data points that exist and are kind of hard to refute. I said, Dad, why would NASA lie about scientific data? These are guys that if they are wrong about stuff, they either fly a billion-dollar probe into a planet or they kill astronauts if they are wrong. So they're usually pretty objective scientists when it comes to this shit. Pretty objective. And he said, okay, I'll look into it. All right? That makes sense. Then I talked about even like, you know, the Arctic sea ice minimum, which I keep up with every now and then. But overall, the percent of Arctic ice has decreased since, again, that good old magic 1980 points for some reason. So in 1980... The average September extent, which I mean, I guess, how much ice is there in September overall in the Arctic, um, was 7.83 million square kilometers. The peak was, looks like, 96. It went up for a peak to 7.87. From 96, it went down and down for the most part. Um, The lowest point was 2012, 3.62, and then it went up to 4.72 in 2016. But it looks like, overall, that means we've lost about half of the Arctic uh, ice. Which again, that contributes to uh, overall to the raising uh, sea levels. Not to get too scientific, but uh, when water freezes, it compresses and takes up less less space. When it when it unfreezes and turns to water, what's what's a scientific name for unfreezes? Melts. Uh, there's a lot more of it, and it can expand. So there was. Uh, let's see, what happened a couple weeks ago as I hit my mic? There was a an ice sheet the size of Delaware that broke off from everything, like, uh, in January. Iceberg the size of Delaware to break off of Antarctica. About to. Part of the Larsen Sea ice shelf. That doesn't sound good. Discover the power of new Dove Man plus Care. I don't need Dove plus. My skin is perfectly fine. Advertisement. So a large sheet of ice is set to break away from Antarctica, and scientists say it'll be one of the largest breaks of its kind recorded. Larson C. A sprawling sheet of ice in western Antarctica. Currently attached to its parent shelf by 20 kilometers. 12.4 miles of ice. Once it's split, the crack will produce an iceberg around 5,000 square kilometers. 1,900 square miles. About the size of Delaware. Great. That sounds normal. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Just a big old crack. So, what's bad about that is that it can float away into warmer waters, and once it does that it can melt and then it becomes water you know that and that's bad overall, you know because again, I live a mile from the from the beach, and then I think the worst case scenario with when all this ice has gone is that I think the average sea level uh raises by a hundred feet, which means uh, bye bye to a lot of the seaboards and bye bye to me where i'm where I' am right now because I think I'm probably like. 10 feet over sea level right now. So the whole point is this, is that if someone comes up to you in any argument, all you can do is try to kill them with facts, and hopefully they have some part of reason left where they can at least investigate this stuff for themselves. If they're too far off the deep end, there's nothing you can do about it. Because if they're too far off, no argument, no set of data is going to... Going to um, Convince them otherwise, but if they're family or friends, they might have some respect for you as a human being still. Like my father probably does, without calling me an eco terrorist, that they can look into this stuff themselves if you just point them in a, in a direction. You know, uh, I told them to go to you know website like RealClearScience dot which is also a real clear politics, there's real clear history, where it's an aggregate site where they not just post up. Uh, articles from one perspective, but all perspectives, which then I think is healthier. Actually, even if you're on that verge of not believing anything anymore besides your side, that you can read all perspectives and at least come to your own conclusion. At least learning how other people think. So, sorry, Dad, I'm not gonna, you know, go out and you know and 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 start bombing uh, oil rigs. That's not where I'm at. I think I'm fairly reasonable when it comes to this stuff. So, you know, look into this yourself. I think it wouldn't be that bad if you did. By the way, the uh, percentage of scientists that believe that climate change is happening is about 97%. 97% based upon uh, a survey of scientists' view on climate change. This is off of Wikipedia. Uh, looking at a bunch of different, half a dozen independent studies by authors. Conclude that the finding of 97% consensus that humans are causing recent global warming. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you're always going to have people on the fringe. But uh, that's that's pretty convincing to me. 97%. Uh, and I'll just say this. Even if you don't want to believe that still. What you want to believe is that renewable energy is ch- cheaper or will be cheaper uh, overall in the long run. If we can get to, you know, electric cars, it'll be cheaper for us to power that uh, nuclear power is cheap and clean. It is right now. There's just a stigma uh, against it in the U.S. at least where that's that's a lot cheaper than fucking coal and it's a lot cleaner than coal. Uh, and then plus, not to get into uh, world politics too much, I'd love to see the world embrace clean energy so uh, these awful regimes in the Middle East wouldn't have any money or power over us anymore. I think that alone, give me just that one reason, and I would love to see us go clean energy. If we can top over the Saudi royal family by going for clean energy, then that's worth it to me. Absolutely is. All right, speaking of the royal family, there is one that's emerging on this sort of new media called YouTube, a new sort of elite. And it's come to sort of my crystallized perspective of of what's going on based upon I guess the fallout over the PewDiePie anti-semitic videos so going back if you haven't heard the news the biggest YouTuber Felix Shelberg of Sweden was dropped from Maker Studios slash Disney the MCN and his YouTube red show was canceled scare PewDiePie season two because uh well this is I'll get into it It was reported from the Wall Street Journal, which is – this was true now. You can get on their objectives later that there was uh, nine instances or nine videos of anti-Semitic or uh, Nazi imagery or jokes in PewDiePie videos going back to like the the fall or so or late summer of last year of 2016. So in the wake of that report – in the wake of it, I say that with this weird tone in my voice because it really wasn't the wake, I'm going to say. I mean, they dropped PewDiePie. But I would say this, is that do you honestly think a business decision where you you are going to drop the biggest YouTuber off of your company happened at the drop of a hat? Or do you think that this was already being discussed the past six months or so based upon PewDiePie's, we'll just say, um um... Er, not erratic behavior, but I guess pushing the envelope and sort of uh, throwing jabs at YouTube and and doing stuff to be edgy. You don't think that this conversation came up before with the higher ups at Daisy to be like, wait a second, do we really want to be associated with this person? And is it more reasonable that they saw these stories are going to come out and say this is a great time to drop and we have an excuse, of course. They didn't make this decision in 10 minutes saying, oh my God, the Wall Street Journal is going to run this article. Let's drop this guy. No, 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 no. Businesses do not move that quickly, especially when it's something like this. This was going to happen. PewDiePie was going to get get his ass dropped. This just gave Disney an out to do it. It Gave him a good excuse, I think, to do it. And then Google followed suit afterwards, for better or for worse. That's what I think happened. So Wall Street Journal had the right to publish... What was actual truth about these were anti-Semitic jokes with not or and or Nazi imagery being used? If they had, if they had said straight out, uh, we think that Felix Shellberg's is a Nazi, and this is truth. That's something different. Which is, by the way, what other websites try to say here and there, or was evidence of, which is a, a whole other conversation. And one I did not bring up when I talked about it on the CU podcast because, first off, it wasn't. The main point to me, but second of all, most of those articles I hadn't seen because they weren't even out yet. When I recorded that podcast, uh, the news was still fairly fresh on that. Uh, What was it, Tuesday, Tuesday the fourteenth, which hardened me because it's by the time that video came out, uh, excuse me, when I recorded it early Wednesday the fifteenth. Uh, so by the time that video came out, um, no, it did come out the fifteenth. I recorded it on Tuesday when it came out. There had been a lot more stories published, and the narrative had shifted to. Well, from just PewDiePie getting thrown off of Maker and, and Google dropping him uh, to all, the, all these – main the mainstream media is trying to uh, slander PewDiePie and drag his name through the mud. So the narrative had changed and, and my commentary didn't reflect that. So then people came after me because they can't have two different thoughts in their head at the same time and are simple-minded. Let's just be honest. It's hard. It's hard for people – it been hard for them to even to think about, well, uh, PewDiePie made jokes that he has the right to make, which I said in my video, but also Maker and Google have the right to drop him or punish him for those jokes if they choose to. And that's even a bridge too far for some people uh, because they think that uh, freedom of speech – means that companies can't drop someone from a business agreement, which is not what it means. Which, by the way, even if Google wanted to, they could have just eliminated PewDiePie's channel, which I would not, would not agree with. But they could have being that they're a private business, and they could have done that. And it still wouldn't be a censorship issue because uh, YouTube isn't a public forum per se. It's a privately run website. You know, uh, it's, a, it's really a business. It's, it's like stepping into a restaurant. You know, I don't have to serve you food. Because you're in my restaurant. But YouTube to their credit said. Hey uh, Felix can. We're not censoring his videos. He can still publish them. We just don't have to put our premium ads on them. Which is their right too. So in all this conversation. What I saw emerging. Was disturbing. And it's become more disturbing now. Is that. We've seen this weird. YouTube peer pressure emerge. Bordering on. I don't want to say authoritarianism or even fascism, but we're seeing this sort of group thinking arise where you better line up with, with PewDiePie and defend him at all costs, regardless of nuance or complexity of the argument, or else we're going to come after you, which is sad. It's absolutely sad because you can still say that, uh, you know, certain websites, uh, were slanted in their coverage of the news. But that doesn't mean that the news shouldn't exist in the first place or that the news doesn't exist because the the news absolutely does. Those videos were made. There was a death to all Jews uh, and a Hitler was right joke that – quote, unquote, joke that were made. Which, by the way, I saw those videos. I think people got on me too because uh, Pat didn't get the context. I got the context in those videos because it was clear because he said – Felix said it in those videos that I want to show that – how weird it is that you can get people to pay for whatever you want, which again, I said, in my original video people didn't get cause they're fucking idiots, but absolutely you can do whatever you want and say whatever you want. And you can get, you can have someone prove a weird point by doing whatever you want them to. Uh, there's, but again, there's an infinite number of ways to prove the point that you can get people to take money to do bad things on Fiverr, infinite number of ways to do that. Uh, two of those ways I have the infinite number is a Hitler was right joke with a guy dressed up like Jesus and a death to all Jews joke. So that's what I want to hammer again. The point that out of all the infinite number of ways you can make that joke, those are the two ways you, you choose to make it. And people might be comfortable with that. And is that right? Is it right to be comfortable with that or not? I'll just say this though. I wonder if this isn't a cultural issue, and I didn't bring this up on the the podcast, I almost did, that, I mean, this is just being real. Felix is from Sweden, considered by the Nazis to be an Aryan country that was quote-unquote neutral during World War II, but they actually assisted the Nazis in their war effort. So, being in that environment, I'm not saying it was even conscious, but maybe there's not this could be crazy. Maybe there isn't such a, as big of disdain for the Nazis. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe subconsciously versus in the U S or other parts of the world, like great Britain, where we actively fought and died against the Germans and Nazis in world war two. And again, not all Germans were Nazis. We have to understand that too. But I had four or five members of my family served during world war two Thankfully, none of them died. Uh, That alone would give me pause to wear, you know, uh, what do you buy, like an SS uniform or or a German officer uniform? That alone would give me pause to do that just to make me feel icky. I guarantee you that he didn't have that sort of pause partially because of that. I don't think it's even controversial. I just think it's a fact of life coming from a different country, a different culture in general. Now, he has a lot more – obviously he has a lot more comfortability on uh, making jokes like that. Ob- it's, I mean that's just obvious because it's, it's, self, it's you know, self-apparent because he made the jokes uh, that he had no problem uh, using Hitler imagery and uh, death to all Jews j- jokes to make his point or whatever fucking shallow points that are being made. But that's not what I'm trying to say overall. That's just an aside what I'm trying to say is that there's been a big YouTubers attack, but most YouTubers went directly to kiss Felix's ass. They waited a day or two to see what was going to happen to see if it was going to get tossed off YouTube. But then I saw a bunch of tweets in support uh, of PewDiePie and which was strange just because are you sure you know what you're supporting? You're basically supporting what I would deem irresponsible jokes. Again, you have the right to make them. I think it's irresponsible. Plus you're, 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 you're saying that you have the right to do something and act like a petulant child uh, about it. Uh, and rewarding really bad behavior and not bad behavior being the jokes themselves, but rewarding the whining and crying and bitching about being called out about it. When you're uh, someone worth 20 to 30 million dollars trying to portray yourself as some sort of fucking victim when you have the, the you know the world's in the palm of your hand. the world is your oyster. that's another cliche. But you know, so that just comes off kind of weird. But what I think is what these YouTubes are doing Is trying to make sure that they're seen In the big guy's eyes, big guy being PewDiePie That, oh, well, you know I want him to remember that I support him They're basically kissing ass for the future And I'll get to three YouTubers' responses In particular that went in different directions The first was Markipliers Who put out this general respect video You know, all somber I'm not going to be happy, Markiplier My deep voice But no, I don't want to make fun of him for his voice. You know, he's got a great radio voice, one of the reasons why he's popular. Um, talking about we should respect each other. That's not a bad notion that we should respect each other. But what was weird was that the timing that he used to do it was in defending his friend Felix, who had just been uh, you know called out on the carpet for his anti-Semitic uh, jokes. And he briefly mentioned them. Oh, yeah, he apologized already for these jokes, blah, blah, blah. But then he said that, like, we all have to respect one one another. And that's where I'm going to just say, uh, no, no, I don't have to respect anyone if I don't want to. If someone does something abhorrent, I'm not even saying PewDiePie did overall, I don't have to respect that. I don't have to respect the individual if I don't want to. Now, you can make an argument. I have to be civil to everyone. If I see PewDiePie... I'm not going to go and just scream in his face, but it doesn't mean I got to go grab a cup of coffee with them or grab a sandwich with them. As Ian would say, I absolutely don't have to do that. I don't have to even talk to him nicely. I don't have to treat him nicely. That's not a requirement to respect each other. If we don't feel that we are either getting respect or we don't feel that they're displaying respect to someone else. So I'd say to Markiplier is never going to hear this. Why should I respect someone? Or why do you... Why Okay, let's put it this way. Why should I be forced to respect someone that would make what I would feel to be anti-Semitic jokes? Especially if I'm offended by that, why should I respect that individual making them? I'm not even saying I was offended by them. Because personally, honestly, personally, I wasn't offended. I just think they were shitty jokes. But why should I respect that person? Why should I respect a person that called out 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds in his own videos, which led to his fans attacking them because I couldn't handle it or because, you know, like, I, I wasn't mature enough to handle a, a 10-year-old going after me. And this happened more than once where he would uh, spotlight 10-year-olds responding to PewDiePie and then try to, try to you know, tag it with, oh, guys, don't go after this kid. Come on. We knew it was happening. Why should I respect that individual making bad judgments like that? Why should I re- be required to, Markiplier or Mark? Why should I be required to do that? Do you have a good answer for me? Or just because you want to uh, make the world a better place by all of a sudden, now, now after your friend gets into trouble, now you make that video that we, that we we should all respect each other. No. No, I don't have to. Respect is not a requirement in life. You may want us all to respect each other, but to me that would also mean that we all act properly to each other. In order to garner that respect, I don't respect the message in your video. Doesn't mean I don't respect you, <laughs> but that was, so that was a one response. But the other two responses that got major backlash—well, one got major backlash. The second one didn't. Was Casey Neistat, who we actually talked about on the podcast before, who were saying that, like, uh, which me and Ian called out Casey Neistat for saying that. For him calling out YouTubers who weren't coming out and basically endorsing Hillary Clinton over Trump, which me and Ian said that was really stupid of him to do. But in this case, he had a similar viewpoint to me where like uh, uh, PewDiePie is probably not a racist or anti-Semitic. We'll just say anti-Semitic because uh, anti-Semitism to me is technically not racism. That's another conversation. But uh, he's not an anti-Semite. But he made some really stupid jokes, and he probably has a responsibility to be smarter, especially when he has a younger audience who may not see the quote-unquote context or satire in all of his jokes. And I would argue that, why the fuck do I have to have an annotated book aside me to understand of all, all PewDiePie's jokes in every one of his videos? But anyway, it's like going to see Dune in 1984. They had to put a fucking book in your seat in order to understand the movie. No, that means your mute movie sucks then. Or in this case, their jokes suck if I can't understand the joke from the video itself and then I got to go and watch, you know, 15 other videos in order to understand them. Do better jokes. Be better. Even PewDiePie himself admitted in his quote-unquote apology that he was an amateur when it came to comedy. And that's the first rule of comedy is that you shouldn't have to explain it by referencing, you know, 47 other things. Jokes should be able to stand on their own by and large. Not 100% of the time they don't have to, but if your main point is going to be a death to all Jews or Hitler was right joke, it better fucking stand on its own. And not to fall back on, well, it was satire context. It better be crystal fucking clear what you were doing there. Which if you want to bring up South Park making jokes, their jokes that are either uh, what you would say racial, uh, are very fucking clear what the point is. Of those jokes are. And usually the points of those jokes. Are making fun of the people making them. Usually making fun of the racists. Or making fun of Cartman. uh, For making those jokes. Not just celebrating the joke by and large. That's not the point. But that's what Casey Neistat actually brought up intelligently. To his credit that. You know you have to be clear about what these jokes are. But someone else said something very similar as well. Which was interesting. Because this was quote unquote a friend of PewDiePie's. And someone also involved in that revel mode, you know, super YouTube uh, M C N group that's falling apart. Jack Septikai. So Jack comes out. Jack is uh, Irish, right? Uh, has green hair. Which, by the way, just, what, what's with these the YouTube elite? You have to have colored hair for entry now. You got to either be like white hair, red, blue, or green. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm too old. Uh, I think I thought about having my hair blue, or green, or something. Anyway, but Jack comes out. And makes a very reasonable, sort of, even-keeled video saying, uh, he said a few things, again, the same things I sort of said in my video. He said, uh, PewDiePie, or Felix, is not a racist, he's he's not an anti-Semite, he's not a Nazi. But he made some stupid jokes that went too far. And it's Disney's right, as a company, and or Google's, to, to distance themselves from them because of that. Which to me is fairly reasonable point. But he got so much shit for that. Because he wasn't just towing the PewDiePie line. So much so that he actually tweeted out afterwards that he had to have a talk with Felix. And said, oh, after my talk with Felix, I, I should have been more, in better support of him. Which basically meant that PewDiePie came and whined to him. Because he wasn't showing the degree of solidarity that he he preferred to, or would have wanted in his "quote unquote" trying time of being a guy worth at least twenty million dollars, you know, making uh, let's play videos. So Jack got in a world of shit, and then you had uh, people like uh, Keemstar, Human Compost Pile, uh, basically come out and stirred the pot more, attacking Jacksepticeye, saying you backstab PewDiePie. Uh, We all have to stand in solidarity because these outsiders are coming after us. The mainstream media is coming to get us. Which, by the way, I think Keemstar is a big Trump supporter. So he's already on that mainstream media is out to get us uh, drinking that Kool-Aid. But uh, Jack actually in his video said that that was silly, too, to think that there's this mainstream media push against YouTube. And I think it's silly, too, and this is why. It's not direct competition, the mainstream media is not making YouTube videos uh, and silly Let's Play videos and guarding, garnering, you know, it's not like the Wall Street Journal uh, has an account with millions of people. They're doing similar content. The content is entirely different. A straight news organization is not doing the same content as YouTubers. So to feel threatened by that on its surface is weird, and I think I think it's wrong. It, now, if you want to say the mainstream media went after Infowars and Alex Jones or the Young Turks. Because they are uh, reporting news uh, in almost the same way as cable news is doing that. I can see that point. But it's not like the mainstream media is competing with you, Keemstar, and doing their own shitty version of TMZ. There's TMZ, and then there's you. That's your your competitors. The Wall Street Journal is not competing with you. The Wall Street Journal is not competing with PewDiePie. So whatever influence you think they could have on these YouTubers is going to be pretty fucking minimal in the end. As we saw from what happened here, so you're just and you're just trying to st- uh, stoke more fires for yourself and get attention, uh, because you know you have to keep yourself it, it, you know keep yourself in in the spotlight, I guess, over a huge uh, issue like this. Which, by the way, people came after me for saying, "Well, I was, I was trying to piggyback on this issue." When I put out my video talking about the PewDiePie situation, I knew I would lose subscribers, which I did. I probably lost a couple hundred, and I knew it wasn't going to blow up because I was not. I was in the vast minority in my opinion, especially amongst big YouTubers. But I guarantee you and from my conversation with another – with a couple of fairly big YouTubers, I am not alone in how I thought about this situation or my vantage point of this anti-Semitic joke situation with PewDiePie. I'm just one of the only ones that came out and actually spoke about it because for some some reason I, I have a little fear and or I'm an idiot and don't care about my professional YouTube career as much as others do. But that's why I'm, I'm in support of guys like Jacksepticeye or even Casey Neistat for having the balls. They have the balls, not me, because they have a lot more to lose than me. I have 210 or so thousand YouTube subscribers. They have millions of YouTube subscribers. They have millions. So they have a lot more to lose than I do And in being true to themselves and coming out and speaking their mind and not just automatically just saying what the YouTube Gestapo wants them to say, fall in line with PewDiePie or else, Which which is kind of, uh, disheartening that uh, no one's really talking about this, except for I saw one article on Kotaku about YouTubers. Uh, YouTubers getting angry. Uh, YouTubers are getting dragged for not supporting PewDiePie 100% by Patricia Hernandez. Which, uh, yeah, now this is an editorial. This isn't news, and Kotaku is mostly editorials, and most of the time it's a rag. But you know th- that is neither here nor there. But they made the same point I do that you know Jacksepticeye comes out has level head video. Uh, you know, he defends uh, Felix Schoenberg as a person, but critiqued the delivery of some of his jokes. And even PewDiePie himself critiqued the delivery of his jokes and said, "I'm an amateur," uh, and I, you know, maybe they didn't hit as well as they, they should before. Before before Felix gave a middle finger to the Wall Street Journal, which I think is funny because like like the Wall Street Journal gives a shit. Attacking the media is usually pretty bad because at that point that means you either have nothing to say or it just shows how much it's affected you. By the way, so he got destroyed though. Uh, in his comments, and uh, he got destroyed on Twitter. But you know, I think most reasonable people will not would not go on to a YouTube video and comment. Uh, would have to comment in defense of something that's reasonable because they have better things to do. That's why most YouTube comments, not all of them, but most, are septic, toxic, trash. Because those are the type of people that are going out of their ways. To make the comments. They had nothing better to do. I'm sorry. Chris Pratt was right. The comments are garbage. Well, the comments are bullshit. That's what he said. Jab the guy, he said he considered removing the video to avoid confusion. Uh, but he didn't. Good. He shouldn't have to remove it. Because that's what he truly believed in. H3, H3. Uh, da-da-da. Who is, is a friend with PewDiePie, which is surprising to me because I think if h 3 was friends with PewDiePie, excuse me, if he wasn't friends with them, he'd be one of his targets for his videos. He did an interview with Casey Neistat where he said, would you say that the like to the dislike ratio is an accurate, accurate portrayal of the quality of that video? Uh, and Neistat responded, the dislike ratio was because of a negative video about what I had to, to say. When I watched the video for the first 24 hours, it was very positive. I felt like the jokes that PewDiePie made were insignificant and stupid. Because he has such a spotlight on him, he's not able to make stupid jokes the way you and I can. Which is fairly reasonable. Uh, Neistat added that he did not, he clarified he did not approve of the mainstream media's hit job in taking some of PewDiePie's jokes out of context. Again, uh, the the mainstream media, you can argue, has an objective in doing that. But again, the overall... You know, they're they're not gonna affect all these YouTubers. And again, if, if I made that joke, or like he said, if even Casey made it, they would have got after him. PewDiePie's the number one YouTuber. He was gonna have a target on his on his back forever for this sort of shit. I'm surprised it took that this long to get for it to get to this point. So if PewDiePie didn't think this was gonna happen at some point, pushing the envelope and making Hitler was right and death to all Jews jokes, he's either uh really uh Really stupid and thinking it was going to happen, or he's naive. One or the other. I don't know. Or either that or he wanted it to happen because it was going to happen at some point. And I think it's funny where YouTubers go after each other, or people will comment saying, Oh, this is a clickbait piece, or this is a clickbait piece, when the people even reporting on it, like Keemstar, are doing it for clickbait. But they're trying to uh, be somber and make a bigger point. The mainstream media is trying to bully us around. Yeah, like what the fuck are they going to do? Well, the, is the Wall Street Journal going to pre- is he going to prevent? Are they going to prevent uh, PewDiePie from making any video he wants? No, PewDiePie is going to make whatever video he wants to. It's going to happen either way. PewDiePie is going to be fine. If people come after me at some point in, in a large way and not just in responding to another YouTuber, that means I finally made it. That means I got three million subscribers and people are coming after me for my jokes. You know, if I get a dominatrix in my videos again. Uh, and people really bitched me about it. That means I made it. And I shouldn't care that much. Because I have perfect freedom to do whatever I want. On a podcast or on YouTube. It's pretty much still the Wild West. And will be for a while. So in closing. As even Jack Jacksepticeye said. It's silly to think that there's this brewing mainstream media. YouTube war. <laughs> Chemtrails. It's not happening. PewDiePie be a man. you got called out for some shitty jokes that you admit were shitty. You're worth a shitload of money. Uh, take your lumps and move on and try to be a better comedian. That's my advice. And I'm going to try to be a better comedian on my next not-so-common podcast because eh, there's some serious shit here. But in the future, I'm going to try to interview uh, YouTubers. Maybe the, I'll ask them about the PewDiePie issue. Maybe not. And we're starting out here, so please spread the word. Uh, if you're on – listen to this on Stitcher or if you're on Podbean, make sure you try to subscribe or iTunes. Make sure you leave a comment. You like this sucker. Let's uh, let's get this going. I'm gonna try to do these at least once a week. Once a week, I could do that. I think that's fine. And uh, yeah, send me an email. Not so common at thepunkeffect.com. Maybe we'll do some sort of relationship stuff or uh, advice about life, life or relationship stuff. We'll just do that. We'll make it a weekly sort of topic. Send me your stories, long form. We'll do. We'll do like some sort of story, story time where I'll try to follow along. I'll read your story out loud if it's good. And you know, I'll try to give my perspective. When I first started doing these sort of live streams years and years back, that were terrible. I, I like to do uh, relationship advice, and and usually people would come to me for advice. Mostly girls when I was younger. The same girls that probably put me in the friend zone. But I would tell them what the guys were usually thinking, you know, and if they're you know if they were good guys or just using them or lying to them, you know. And you know that's probably much to my chagrin because you know I was always friend zone. That's all the conversation about the friend zone, what to do about that. But anyway. I'm going to see you guys later. I hope you enjoyed this. If you didn't like this, you know, this is rough. It's my first time out doing this sort of general podcast and I'll smooth out, I'll smooth out those, uh, those moles. You don't smooth out moles. You have them removed, right? I'll I'll remove, I'll laser those moles away. Those ugly, disgusting, hairy back moles that might be, might be cancer-ridden. They'll be gone eventually, I hope. No? And we're going to leave it on that note. Okay. (laughs) And if you want to advertise, with the uh, not so common podcast, shoot me an email as well. Not so common at the punk effect.com and may, may I get some advertisers or sponsors? That'd be cool too. I'll see you next week. Maybe. Yeah, I will. Unless you guys hate me too much. Please be gentle.